Hey everyone, welcome to IJ Notes, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes to explore the work of journalists around the world. I'm David with the IJNet team. We're excited to unveil our new series that focuses on environmental reporting and how journalists can best cover aspects of the global climate crisis. For our first episode of the series, I recently spoke with journalist Sebastian Rodriguez, who has reported on climate issues since 2015. Based in San Jose, Costa Rica, Sebastian is the former editor of Ojo al Clima, a publication that covers climate change, its causes, and potential solutions. He's also reported on the environment as a freelancer. Today, Sebastian is the editor-in-chief of Climate Tracker, an international nonprofit that supports, trains, and incentivizes better climate journalism globally. In this episode, Sebastian shares how journalists can approach their reporting on the climate crisis and why collaboration is so critical for this coverage. We also discuss what environmental reporting in Costa Rica means today, and much more. Sebastian, first, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. We are really looking forward to this series on environmental reporting at IJNet, and excited to learn more about you and your work with environmental journalism. So I guess just to get things started, could you tell us a bit about yourself and you know describe a bit about your background in environmental journalism? Sure. Thanks uh, to you, David, for having me. Where I started out really was a, a national uh, weekly newspaper here in Costa Rica called Semanario Universidad, uh, which is the kind of main university in Costa Rica called Universidad de Costa Rica. And from there, I got to... Uh, get myself involved to uh, with a project of launching the the first climate news focused uh, media outlet in Central America. There were at the moment already a few of these in in uh, the global north. I, I remember uh, there were already outlets such as uh, of, uh, such as Climate Home, Inside Climate News, and Carbon Brief. You know these type of climate change news type of websites. But there was there was really no no offer for us here in Central America, and there were I, I'm not really sure if there was any in Latin America uh, at the time. Uh, we're talking like 2015. We started out first as a sort of like a climate uh, divulgation project, um, just as a website that had a lot of climate info on uh, very similar to to the to the type of website that NASA has, for example, with. Uh, data on on melting of the glaciers or, or on sea level rise and this type of stuff uh, and, and you know evidence scientific evidence of climate change at the time that was sort of like the the way we approached uh, climate news it really changed quite a bit uh, with with the time we made the decision that just making climate delegation wasn't enough it called for the issue called really called for more active way of, of storytelling uh, that's why we decided to get into climate uh, news. We started getting a little bit more used to it, and and we got to to do stories in in very different formats. We did a, a podcast uh, for a while. We did climate videos. We even did one of our print issues was uh, a comic book telling the story of what what's it called a frog species uh, species here in Costa Rica that went uh, extinct called the golden toad, I think. Uh, one of the first species that that scientists started debating whether it was affected and that was w- one of the many ways that we got to experiment and, and really it was where i learned a lot from from my amazing colleagues uh, there at whole clima 
After that, the website and, and the and the and the media outlet of Ohal Klima really opened a lot of doors for me, and I got to to cover you know the climate change negotiations, the UN General Assembly, and from there, you know, I, I started doing a lot more freelancing for Thomson Reuters Foundation and, and a few other outlets uh, such as Mongabe and China Dialogue. And now you're at Climate Tracker, correct? Uh, I've been for the last couple of months. I've been uh, the editor in chief for like six or, or eight months. I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I started in uh, in March, and yeah, it's been a, an, another fun challenge working with uh, journalists from from all over the world, not only in Latin America, uh, which is something that I was a bit more used to. Uh, I get to to discover new stories from Asia and from Africa that face, you know. In similar problems, but in com- from completely different angles and, and from di- completely different backgrounds. So uh, we work with particularly with young journalists from developing countries. Awesome. And that's, you know, it's kind of a nice segue into what I want to ask you about next. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like, you know, well, much like the pandemic, you know, the climate crisis is truly a global story affecting countries all over the world um, and people all over the world. Um, so how do you approach the beat with this in mind? I think it put things in perspective because when 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 the pandemic started, even though I was covering the en- environmental issues, uh, we still had to do science stories related to to the pandemic. And you could really see like the like the way science journalism in general started to gain a lot of awareness and a, a lot of of practices that that we tried to apply as science journalists maybe weren't uh, applied as a general rule. So yeah, the fact checking of of papers, for example, of scientific sources in general, and it was funny to see you know that coming into the public light with so much attention. I think it's kind of a, a turning point in general for us to realize uh, how to approach science journalism in general how to approach scientific data, for example, that's been so, so important. And I think it's, it's also been a moment for, for governments to think uh, how, to, how to communicate scientific information. Uh, because again, here in Costa Rica, another of the problems was how to communicate scientific data from COVID. So it helped uh, to become sort of like a turning point for both governments and journalists into how do we want to approach a, a scientific communications crisis and, and how to how to come out of it with better information. Related to this point, because it's such a big story, how important is collaborating with other journalists and other newsrooms? How important is that for conducting effective reporting on the issue? Yeah, I mean, for, for climate uh, journalism, it's super important, both at a national and, and international level newsrooms for example like i was telling you at first we were in in noho clima kind of relegated to the climate desk kind of getting a lot of scientific studies getting a lot of what what was seen as uh, as soft issues but then what what started to happen was because of of, of the coincidence that costa rica in general is a, a country that's been very politically aware of climate change a lot of these issues started being addressed in political spheres. Uh, and so a lot of the issues 
uh, that were like the top issues for governments started being climate issues. And so we were forced, <laughs> almost forced to, to collaborate with politics reporters, uh, with economics reporters. It was something that happened organically because of the um, of the good relationships we had with with all of the journalists uh, working there. But it, but you could uh, really see that collaboration was key to covering these issues because climate change is is everywhere. And effectively, if you if uh, you're covering uh, an economic story on agriculture, it's impossible to uh, to ignore the the issue that drought and, and that heavy rains are a risk factor at all times. It, it, the same with politics reporting, right? It, it started to become apparent that that it's impossible to ignore climate issues in legislation or in new executive programs in general. So it, 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 it really fomented uh, collaboration within the newsroom. And of course, climate change is a, is a global issue. It's foolish to think that just one country is facing climate impacts or is just one country is uh, doing climate action or not doing enough on climate action. Really, uh, we're all on the on the same boat and we're all uh, sadly, unfortunately, we're, we're all not doing a very good job at addressing it. You might find that a story that's um, happening with droughts in Costa Rica, for example, might have might be happening in a similar way. In our neighboring countries of Nicaragua or in Panama, it's uh, it's always important to to try to find ways of, of expanding the, the climate story, not not just staying within our borders, uh, which are just imaginary, and really grasping the the dimensions of the crisis that we're facing, which is a cross border issue and that that has you know impacts in all of the all of the region really. Uh, if a hurricane hits here in Central America as it did uh, last year. Refugees are inevitably going to going to move up to uh, the U.S., for example, or Mexico. So all of the region will be affected by by climate impacts happening in in different countries. And it's important to grasp like the whole picture. It would be foolish to to just cover the story as uh, well. A bunch of refugees left the country here, uh, and that's just the story. No, uh, of course not. We need to trace the whole route they followed up to up to the north. So. Yeah, what, what what I would think is, is important is grasping the, the the dimensions of the crisis. So I want to ask you something about terminology. Um, I know that where you work now at Climate Tracker, you've signed on to a call from the organization covering climate now to use the term climate emergency in your reporting. Can you explain why your outlet uh, decided this was important to do? Yeah, I mean, this was uh, a decision that really came very naturally you know phrasing matters and and the way you say stuff matters just staying with with climate change really it, it's a politically charged word right in in many countries uh, not so much in in my country for example uh but in many countries it's a, it's a politically charged term and it's a term that that falls short on the amount of impacts that we're facing and when you start seeing things at a geological terms it's it painfully clear that the the time in which we're we're facing these impacts is minuscule compared to to the time that we've been you know alive as a species so it completely fits into the term of of, of a climate emergency science also is important uh, and and a lot of science communication uh, the, on, a lot of science on communication uh on and on climate communications really points that 
to, to the fact that terms really matter for, for us uh, and, and for speaking to our audiences. So for example, uh, when you say natural gas, people tend to think of it in terms of a, of a clean energy and, and a clean, uh, clean, you know, <laughs> almost renewable resource. Uh, but when you say uh, methane gas or fossil gas, research shows that people tend to, to realize, oh, wait, it's a fossil fuel. Uh, oh, wait, this, uh, this is not right. It's the type of instinct that, that we want to convey with, this, with these types of terms. Uh, is to really grasp the the urgency and of the matter. So you're based in uh, Costa Rica. Um, what climate issues are especially relevant to your readers in the region? Costa Rica is a particularly green country. <laughs> uh, it it has been uh, for for quite a few decades now. Fortunately for us, we we haven't ever really had a big fossil fuel industry or a big mining industry either. So most historically, most of the economy has relied on agriculture, particularly on coffee, you know, for development. So the conditions that came from there, from there, really allowed us to be green uh, and, and to pass, you know, uh, really forward-thinking environmental legislation uh, without any real opposition or without any real propaganda uh, against those uh, legislations. So in general, climate change became a, an important issue. Last, uh, last year, uh, there, there was the, the Ministry of Environment did uh, a survey on, on climate change, on, on the general population. And it was like some, something like more than 90% or, or 80% uh, in Costa Rica's citizens say that uh, it's a top issue and that it should be a top priority for politicians. So in general, the, the country is, is quite aware of the issue. What I think our, our readers need more of and, and need a special attention is the way we implement climate policies, both in, in decarbonization policies and climate adaptation policies. For, for us, uh, really, the issue is not so much as to how much we're, we're really emitting, uh, since we're quite a small country with a very, you know, limited carbon footprint, but really, a, a much bigger issue is how do we adapt and how do we face the climate impacts that are that are happening in the country already. So one of the of the of the most relevant issues, for example, has been the NAMAS in agriculture, which is a, a low emission program to to reduce the the footprint of agricultural activities. There's a NAMA for coffee and a NAMA for for livestock production. So these types of programs are, are, are really what have been, you know, most important in terms of policies, uh, in the country. And of course, our readers are, are very interested in, in climate impacts, uh, for the very same reason, right? The Costa Rica is right in the middle of, of the Americas and faces great climate risks from, from the Caribbean with uh, hurricanes forming. Uh, more extreme uh, every year, and on the Pacific, with El Nino events generating drought on our Pacific coast. So there are climate impacts drastically different on both coasts at the same time. And what I would say is that the country has the sort of the benefit and the uh, and the, the curse at the same time of facing issues that maybe some other countries uh, who haven't managed to implement such environmental legislations are not yet facing. 
So for example, with electricity, for example, the country runs on, on uh, practically all of our, our electricity comes from renewable resources, mainly from, from hydroelectric power. But then we're facing some issues that, that might arise for countries that, that haven't yet achieved uh, 100% clean energy. Uh, and it's, for example, uh, how expensive the, the electricity is in Costa Rica. As potentially more journalists turn to reporting on the climate and on the environment, do you have advice for them as to how they should approach their reporting? I would advise journalists to, to try to focus uh, their attention on very specific things um, because the environmental bit sort of was it's kind of its own standalone desk in, in newsrooms. But, it, you know, as, as the crisis gets bigger and bigger, most of us, most journalists really uh, are slowly becoming environmental journalists. We just don't know it yet. So what I would advise is, is trying to focus on, on, on a specific field uh, the way uh, a scientist would. For example, I have a special interest in conservation issues and biodiversity issues. So, so trying to find your niche is, is important. Uh, other, other reporters here uh, are specializing uh, on energy reporting, for example. That's also quite important uh, for decarbonization. And I would also say that here in Latin America, newsrooms have uh, focused a bit more than they used to in, in uh, environmental issues. But really, it hasn't been such a huge and dramatic expansion as it's happening in in countries such as the uh, as the UK or the US, where you see, uh, for example, the the BBC doing a monumental coverage of COP twenty six, or or the New York Times also doing a, a huge effort at COP. Really, uh, we're still lacking that type of of efforts. Still, I would say we're slowly moving into that direction. And my advice for, for journalists would be to try to find your, your niche in, in this whole environmental crisis. Because in the end, well, politics reporters, for example, will start covering environmental issues and, and the way our political leaders treat environmental issues. And our financial reporters will start covering the way companies are, are uh, addressing their own carbon footprints or, or, or their own climate impacts. So it's a matter of, of finding your, your niche and in, in, in your style within, within this crisis. So I guess I just want to end with one question. I know you've kind of, you've already said you, you expect you oh. know, almost all environmental <laughs> yes. reporters to, you know, or almost all journalists to become environmental reporters soon. So I guess with that in mind, uh, where do you hope to see this beat? you know, in 10 years or in 15 years? I mean, I would hope that we, as, in, as it has happened in, in, in many countries already, and, and certainly in my country, to move past the issue of the climate skepticism that is falling behind. So I would hopefully see, see us in 10 years with that issue completely erased. I, I wouldn't expect to see climate skepticism in, in 10 years. What I would see climate journalists and environmental journalists addressing is both the implementation of uh, climate policies in our countries and the fact-checking of, of climate pledges, uh, both in, from governments and from large companies, and certainly battling quite a, a lot of greenwashing, as it is the case already in, in many countries. I, I would expect that to be like the general norm that 
environmental journalists and, and particularly climate journalists put a lot more effort into covering their country's climate plans and, and their and their NDCs and their and track their progress and also address the issue of greenwashing and from 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 large companies and uh, and industries. Thanks so much to Sebastian for sharing his experience and advice for reporting on the climate crisis. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes from us, too, around many different aspects of covering environmental issues today. As always, make sure to follow IJNet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll make sure to keep you in the loop when we release our next IJNotes episode. For more resources on environmental reporting, you can check out our site, ijnet.org. <laughs>